Hey, what's up? This is Jamie Jackson of Mythical Games. We're a next-gen game technology studio creating universal economies driven by player ownership. I'm here on the edge of NFT, the next-gen Web3 podcast creating universal access to the top NFT projects. Stay tuned. Hey there, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode and find out how Mythical Games is at the tip of the spear in blockchain gaming. And why ninjas and shells hold a special place in today's guest's heart. And... How all that matters in Web3 matters of pushing the envelope of IRL events and bridging Web2 to Web3. All this and more in today's episode. And don't forget, we put together a little gathering called NFTLA just a few months back that brought out thousands of the world's most innovative doers in the NFT space. Head to nftla.live to get tickets to our bigger, bolder, better, but just as intimate and impactful event happening in Los Angeles, March 20th to the 23rd, 2023. See you there. Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's sponsored Spotlight episode features Jamie Jackson, co-founder and chief creative officer of Mythical Games, the next generation game technology studio creating universal economies driven by player ownership of NFTs. A games industry veteran of over 20 years, Jamie has an array of experience, including developing titles on every platform from PlayStation to PC, directing movies and game trailers, and so much more. Prior to Mythical, Jamie founded Slingshot Cartel and Freestyle Games, later acquired by Activision Blizzard. As studio head at Activision Blizzard, he was the creative responsible for games such as DJ Hero, Guitar Hero Live, Sing Party, and Call of Duty Online. Jamie also won and has received several nominations for multiple awards across industries, including four BAFTA awards. Mythical Games is a next-gen game tech studio at the intersection of blockchain and games. The studio's first game is Blanco's Block Party, a multiplayer game styled like a giant block party for collectible digital vinyl toys. Jamie, welcome to the podcast. Hey, that was the best intro I think I've ever had. Thank you. Woo-hoo! There we go, well, brother. Well, you deserve it, man. You've been crushing it for a long time. And, you know, it's always great to talk to someone that was deep in an industry, which we'll call Web 2, that's transitioned to Web 3 and is also a pioneer in that side of the house. And certainly you qualify in that regard. You know, Mythical's been crushing. It was great to have you guys at NFTLA just in March. And so much has happened since then, even in your world. So would love to start off just learning more about the origin story of how Mythical Games came to be and how it's grown since its exception and how you, you know, got it all started with your partner. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So I guess kind of after Slingshot, like, you know, when we when I was in Slingshot, it's kind of my wife's fault a little bit. So my wife... She also works in the industry. She's at Nintendo and she's a super big deal and way cooler than me and does cooler stuff than me. And but she was living in Europe. She came to move to Europe to live with me. So she kind of transferred over to Nintendo Europe. And the deal we made with each other was like, I finished Guitar Hero Live. And because I was thinking about like not finishing it. And she was kind of like, you will be an insufferable asshole if you don't finish that project. So she moved to England. And the deal was whenever it was ready for her to have the career move, I would move. And that's what brought us to America. So I've been in Seattle for nearly five years now. And I was kind of like, kind of done with video games. I was kind of, you know, burnt out a little bit. I felt like we were just kept making the same game over and over and over again. And at the tail end or or kind of through through Slingshot is where blockchain as a concept, as technology kind of landed on my radar. And we were looking at it from a point of view of building kind of funding models around games. So I was kind of working with one of my investors in that project around like you know 2015 2016 everyone had all this crypto nowhere to spend it and people wanted to invest and grow so we started to work on this concept of like hey let's take let's build it kind of build put a game on a chain but people could fund it and then they could sell it you know they could divest their funding and it would all pay out and, you know blah, blah, blah. It was like the high level way we were looking at it and you know i spoke to my lawyers in england and they were like you're gonna go to jail don't do it and i was like okay that's really depressing but that's kind of where it started to bubble up for me. So when I moved to America, um, moved to Seattle, I was kind of just going to, you know, be a kept man, you know, take it easy, kick back. And then 
John, who I've known for God, really well over 10 years now. We worked together at Activision. That's how we met each other. We both ran different studios. You know, he called me up and was like, hey, I think you're going to start a new studio. Have you heard of blockchain? I was like, yeah, funny enough, kind of have. And, you know, at the time, CryptoKitties was sort of, you know, if you paid attention, CryptoKitties was a thing. And he's like, you know, there's this thing, and I'm, I think this would be really cool. And he kind of threw this other whole kind of concept at me of using it for just player ownership. Like, I just, we hadn't really drilled into that before. And I was like, oh, it's kind of interesting. So we just, you know, we're noodling around on it. And the idea of player ownership and like the idea of using like that technology to kind of give you this digital history was, I don't know, just like sparked an interest in me again. And it was something I thought was really cool. And so I think like my retirement lasted all of about, I don't know, six or seven weeks, I think. I mean, let's face it, Twizzlers and Cherry Coke, even Diet Cherry Coke, it gets old eventually, right? Right, right. Yeah. And then we didn't have kids. So I was also like, hey, I'm going to be a stay-at-home dad. And, you know, that would have been the hardest job in the entire planet. So, yeah, that's kind of how it all began, really. We just, you know, John, myself, Rudy started to noodle around with those concepts of what, what does the, how does things change if players own the assets? that they're either, you know, grinding out or paying for. And that's what became really interesting. And that was the spark that kind of birthed Mythical. Yeah, you know? it's, a, it's such a cool story. And and talk about like applicable experience, right? Like, I mean, I mean, you know, you're like the ideal person to like co-found a gaming company with, right? Dude, like for the people that aren't as familiar as we are with Mythical, like give them the background, like give us the understanding of what the platform is and what you view as its place in gaming. Yeah, so, you know, Mythical started with John, myself, Rudy, and, and then we kind of grew quite well. So quickly we brought another team in with like Chris and, and, and Cam, Thacker and stuff. And we were just a very small team, right? And we were trying to move quick. And we were we were using a little bit of the concept of like, how do we build games a little bit differently? But we also saw the need, like we believe in the need for this as a tech, right? Like it's a really interesting tech. It kind of changes the way you think about games. No one really in video games realizes they don't actually own anything that they've spent the money on, right? Or they've, you know, grinded their time through. And it's kind of complicated, right? And a lot of it, like when I got into video games, you made your own engine, right? You kind of, that was part of the, pro- like, that's insane now. Like, no one would do that, right? Every Everything we use is tools, which makes a ton of sense. So our idea was let's build product. So that's where Blanco started. But let's also turn everything we're doing into a tool so developers can just plug it into whatever they're using whether it's unity or unreal or even if they are using their own engine right plug it in and kind of build these economies and everything can kind of come off the back of it right so your marketplace can be attached to it so it's kind of like taking away all of that hard grind but also spending you know we spent a lot of time with patents right we've spent a lot of time looking at the legality of things with taxation like every we've just done a lot of work across the board so that was our kind of thesis, right? It was let's build a tool that to kind of makes something that appears quite complicated, make it really easy for developers to ingest into their product, right? And kind of demystify a little bit for them. And then at the same time, we want to build product because, you know, John, me, Rudy, all of us, and, and all the people we've added to the team since, we all come from games, right? Like we all come from big products, you know, the Zingers, the EAs, all that kind of stuff, right? Everyone has kind of got their hands dirty and been a developer in some way, shape or form. So, you know, we wanted to build games and prove out the theories that we believed in, right? Which was still build great games, right? You have to have a cool game. You kind of blockchain, I think John was saying, oh, I like putting blockchain in your games is going to make your game good, right? You've still got to have a good game at the beginning. So coming at it from like just trying to make great games, but really leaning into the idea of collection and ownership. And, you know, I don't want to guess how old you guys are, but when I started getting games, it's not like you had multiple skins for things, right? It's not like we could all turn up in different ways. I mean, online didn't even exist when I first started playing games. So, but today, totally different, right? We all have different personas. We all show up to play multiplayer games in different ways. We all like to show off what we've done and we all want to look different just like we do in real life. So, you know, that was kind of where Blankos really came from was just showing people what ownership could mean. The other thing we really wanted to do as well was bring creators in, right? We felt that like blockchain really allowed creators to come into the games world. like. How do you kind of change the way games are made by allowing all of these creators in? And that was why Blanco's being this kind of inspired by vinyl toys. The way we build it was that so those creators, those artists could come in, you know, paint a Blanco in a totally different way. And if you follow Blanco's, you'll see how diverse and different everything looks, given it's the same pretty much base model. You know, we wanted to show how that could work as well and also kind of show how brands could start to 
participate in games in a really interesting way. Yeah, for sure. And I just got to point out also in blockchain and blockchain gaming, there isn't a you know rich history of gaming experts that populate the space by and large. There's a handful of companies that are doing it. And the difference is really stark, right? Between folks that have spent that time in gaming and understand the ins and outs of it, understand the limitations of gaming in the traditional sense versus on the blockchain, the opportunities for ownership or not. And if you dig a little deeper in the space for anyone listening, go on YouTube, watch demos, understand what's out there. You'll see the difference, right? It's really, really evident. And yeah, I really appreciate those insights from someone with such a rich experience in gaming, you and really the whole team. It's an amazing team that you guys put together. Yeah, it's, it's a killer team, like really good pedigree. A lot of people, you know, from top down all the way through, people that really care about games. And that's been one of our mantras is like games first, right? We've got to put a game out that's fun to play. Let's talk about that a little bit because you've amassed more than a million users in a relatively short amount of time. Certainly in the blockchain space from tracking, you know, the DAP reports on activity, that's extremely significant, you know, even relative to some of the commonly talked about games in the space, some of the early pioneers. So first, how did you do that? <laughs> What's the secret sauce? Personally, I wouldn't mind a million listeners for the podcast either. But, you know, beyond that, like, just talk to us more about the game and the mechanics and sort of how it came to be. Yeah, sure. So I th I'm going to probably sound like a broken record, but game first was always our thing, right? Like there's two plus billion gamers in the world, right? And then there is probably less than a million blockchain gamers in the world or people that are kind of very much come from the tech. So for us, it would, you know, our goal was always like, let's bring this tech into the gaming world rather than try and force gamers into the kind of blockchain NFT world, right? Because we spent almost, well, I've spent all my career with those gamers. So I kind of, you know, you kind of know how hard it is to move these people around, right? So, and you kind of know what gets them, you know, what makes them tick. So that was always our kind of thing is we, we should come at it from a game first. We didn't really talk about blockchain as a tech with Blanco's at the beginning either, because it can be intimidating, right? Like new technology scares people unless you're just like intrinsically into it or you're a native of that technology, right? It just people freak out about it. Like think about new parallels, mobile gaming, right? Once the iPhone came out and like mobile gaming really took off from a development world, right? As soon as somebody, and I was one of them, someone was like, I was going to free games. I was like, what the, what are you on about? I'm like, what is hard enough to make a, you know, successful game anyway. Now you're going to give them away for free, right? And people freaked out. And now, you, you know, 10 years later, you're like, oh yeah, everything's free, right? It's kind of, you've got to build your game and economy in a certain way that kind of makes that make sense. So we started with Blanco's. We wanted to build a game that looked and had a broad appeal visually. The game We wanted zero barrier to entry. That was the other thing, right? We didn't want to have to push people down complex wallet setups and things like that. So like single account coming in through just a mythical account. So the, the barrier to entry was pretty low. The cost to entry was super low as well. You know, we dropped some founders packs at the beginning, but that was really for the kind of web three names, right? Who really cared about rarity and scarcity and all that kind of good stuff and, and got it. But from, you know, we wanted this to be a low price point entry. So you could play Blancos for free right from the beginning. And that resonates with gamers, right? You say free to play, they get it. You say blockchain now, and people are a bit like, whoa, you know, you're killing polar bears, right? I'm like, not really, no, but you know, so we just really thought about how do we talk to the audience at the beginning and we didn't necessarily tend, we weren't intended to really double down on, hey, this is blockchain to the wider audience until the kind of NFT explosion, you know, a good, what, 12 or so months ago. And all of a sudden questions start to come up and it start to be a bit different. So we weren't trying to be nefarious around it. We were just, we spoke to one audience who got it in one way. And then we spoke to that wider gaming audience in a different way. And we just talked about things like ownership. You own this, right? We were like, hey, we've, we've got to educate 2 billion people who don't really get what we're trying to change so i'm just curious like you seem to have like a sixth sense for this stuff now what when you look at the demographics of the current audience how does it compare to what you originally expected is it more a web 2 more web 3 younger older it's pretty broad from an age point of view and i think that speaks to the kind of look and feel of blancos right and i think you know vinyl toy collection appeals to most people you could be you know our i'm going to do our age you know or you could be 15, 16, you mean younger, like my kid's nearly four, he loves all this stuff. 
So I think visually it was really broad appeal, and we still see that. The audience has stuck with us. We definitely brought some gamers, traditional gamers, into this world, and they've stuck with us from a community point of view. And we've got some, you know, what we, you know, the Web3 natives that have stuck with us as well. But, you know, I'd say we've got a decent mix of people. It's pretty, pretty broad. And I think that speaks to the type of game it is. You know, we're going to, we're launching on Epic Game Store soon, you know, in the next handful of weeks. And that's a big deal, right? It's a big deal, big deal for us. And I think a big deal for just those of us in this space that care about this type of of technology. But, you know, I, I think the way that we wanted to appeal to, I think is, you know, my ideal world is we just stop saying blockchain gaming at some point, right? It's just game, like this is gaming, right? Not, and I don't mean that to devalue it. I mean, like, we don't say 3D gaming anymore, right? <laughs> you know, it's so I'm looking forward to getting to that place. And that was how we sort of set off to talk about all of our games. Yeah, you guys are in a really great position to help bridge that gap between traditional gaming and again, blockchain gaming and really help make that merge happen and come to be. So when you think of gaming in general, as it relates to the adoption of blockchain, where do you view it? Like, is this the main driver in, in how you guys go about business? Are you thinking about driving mainstream adoption in your day-to-day or as part of your vision? Yeah, we think about, like say, we think about the 2 billion gamers all the time, right? Like how, what, is, what matters to them? And that's not to say, you know, we ignore the kind of Web3 crew because we don't, you know, we don't, but we're trying to bring the tech to the gamers, right? So easy access point is number one, right? Like gamers churn so quickly if you put too many barriers to get them into something. So just making that simple at the moment is a big deal. Which is why we've had fear and crypto as payment methods from almost day one, right? Because we were like, well, if we have it as only a crypto payment method, we just limit our audience immediately. So we kind of, we put that in from the beginning. So allowing that stuff to happen, making it a low barrier to entry. We played with lots of different game types as well, right? Like, you know, the Blanco's play and own method. If you look at our party pass, it's a pretty traditional party pass type approach, right? If you play any kind of, you know, free-to-play game, bit Fortnite or anything else, when you've got that kind of different tracks, the paid track and the unpaid track. You know, we're using kind of gaming terminology and gaming methods that most gamers know. So there's, so they're not, it's kind of not intimidating, right? It's familiar. And I think that's really important. With NFL and rivals, right? Even though we've got our Rarity League collection, which is the helmets and definitely sits in that Web3 world pretty firmly, you know, the way that translates into rivals the game, owning a guild, you know, being able to have other gamers and players come into your guild and then having that as a space that's, you know, you've got, you know, there'll be traditional, there'll be kind of like your regular guilds, but the Rarity League guilds, you can have access to different tournaments. So everything you get access to, the rewards, it all makes sense, even to a gamer. The cool thing about that, the kind of Rarity League side is, you know, you're getting access to early player drafts, which are NFTs, which you can sell. So if you know what that means, it's kind of super important to you. But even if you don't and you get into it, it's all familiar, right? If you're a player that's into guild type play, it's familiar. It's not scary. You kind of get it. So we, we think about that a lot in a lot of the games. Um, Nitro Nations as well. We're bringing Nitro Nations World Tour. Nitro Nation had what the original game 10 years out. I think it's 10 years old now. 75 million players, right? We're not changing that. You know, we're not just like shoehorning blockchain into the back of that game. Like we're really elevating the game with the team. We're thinking about different story, different setting, different creative and visual. But now blockchain allows really interesting ways to own cars and do cool things with those cars or whatever it might be. So each of the games we're working on, we're kind of looking at different ways that bringing blockchain to it adds value rather than just trying to shoot on it in. Yeah, man. Bringing the masses in, right? That's a big part of it. Keeping it simple, keeping yeah. it easy, right? You guys are the easy button, right? For mass adoption. Very cool. Should be. We hope so. I mean, that like Nitro Nation for me is one I'm, I'm excited. I love all of our games and getting Blanco's out on Epic Games Store is huge, right? We're really well, excited. Let's talk about another big partnership. You know, you guys got something going on with the NFL, right? Rarity League, which is really exciting. Tell us a little bit more about that project and the drop and What's it like, man, to partner with the NFL? Not too many people can say they've done that. Yeah, it's wild. You know, that relationship we've had going for a while now, you know, these negotiating this and getting it into the places took, took a hot minute. And, you know, it's, kind of, it's cool, right? Because the NFL, they've got a really interesting look on technology, right? That, you know, with what they, they've done elsewhere. They're a brand that is constantly evolving as well, which is super exciting, right? Because, you know, they're trying to reach a new audience all the time, which is what we're trying to do with blockchain. So, like, and they're, they're innovative. Like, not every professional sports league is that innovative. No, 
no they're not and yeah they are right they're kind of top of the chain certainly for north america in terms of how they you know try to think about reaching your audience and that it's exciting and then like for just for me personally i fell in love with nfl and the seahawks probably about 11 years ago this season's gonna suck i'm not looking forward to this season but whatever but it, so it's been cool it's been really good you know the, the way we've worked with them is look how we want to build a game that kind of sits higher up the funnel than some other nfl products right that appeals to that broader audience so that casual fan is going to bring them in so you know rivals is our game that's the actual game and rarity league is the collection so we dropped the champion teams last week the rams and the bengals uh the helmets still go grab them now and they're going to have utility in the game which i kind of just talked about right you're going to be able to get you get guild you can draft papers into the guild that guild is going to give you early access to player cards when we start dropping the player card packs and all that kind of stuff tournaments rewards rewards for being a guild like a helmet holder depending on how you sit in leagues like all that good stuff really cool stuff but then rivals is the game and that is mobile there's going to be like team management so you you know you rip packs and you pull players and each of these players is going to have different levels of rarity so you know common all the way through to you know mythical and they're going to look different on pitch they're going to do different things it's going to be really cool so you can build all of that stuff out you can manage your team you can skill and level those players up and you do it with a, on the game as well so we're building a more kind of arcade experience so the way you play you control the quarterback you call the plays you know whoever catches it whoever gets it you control them but think of it much kind of sh- like much more arcade much more casual bringing in that kind of casual play like casual nfl fan as well as a casual gamer so I can play as Tom Brady, my idol, is what you're saying. Yeah, you can totally play as Brady. You can play like five variations of Brady, depending on which pack you rip as well. Can I bring him back to being a quarterback for the Patriots? Because I really miss that time. Yeah, you can pick. So, you know, when you go in, it's kind of, you know, you pick your team and then that's your team. So you can build whoever you want, bring him into your team. If he retires, you can keep playing him. You know, you can. he's yours for as long as you want to keep him. All right, so Jeff, we can play uh, Brady on the Bucks versus Brady on the Pats and see what's up there. I guess we'll see, man. Yeah, I don't know. That sounds really cool, though, man. Looking forward to messing around with it. Lots of fun. Dude, when we look at the at the roadmap, I'm sure it's pretty intensive. Like, what's next? Like, what should we expect here in the coming months? Yeah, well, we just hit on it. So you're going to see more Rarity League drops in the coming months. So we're doing all 32 teams, which um, we're really excited about. So we can't wait to share those stuff. Nitro Nations, we're going to start to talk a lot more about that in the next month or so. So we start opening the community, you start to see some of the trailers. We're going to start to talk about some of the early drops for that, which we're really excited about. Some really, really fun stuff happening there. And then that will kind of transition to the end of the year. If you get a Rarity League helmet, by the way, you're going to get into the beta access for the game. So we're doing kind Mm -hmm. of a Rarity League only beta access and not like a traditional beta. This is just for people who've got that. It's going to be really cool. We're going to work really closely with the community to kind of take feedback and play. You'll be able to play through the whole season. The game, the game's kind of like pretty much functionally feature complete at the moment. I'm pointing there because it's, it's literally on my phone, but I'm not allowed to show anyone. So we're like with you know traditional game stuff, we're just working through all the tweaks, gameplay, visuals, and all that stuff. So that's all coming later this year. Lots, lots to come. And then next year we start to get into the launch of all the products early on. Beautiful, man. And any other partnerships or collaborations that you can uh, share with us? I think we've announced everything at NYC and okay. NFC, NYC. So like you got Epic nice. Spell Wars is coming as well. It's going to be fun. Blancos, we just announced Atari. So you're going to see the Atari stuff come into Blancos with the Epic drop. Yeah, some good stuff. Fun. Amazing. And on these, you mentioned the, the videos. Are you guys producing the uh, trailers for the games in-house? We've been doing some in-house and some with partners. Yeah. So... Yeah, we've got a pretty kick-ass team across the board. One right. of the ones, I don't know if you, if you were at the NYC NFT event, but um, the one we showed for Nitro Nations, uh, yeah. Mark Jones, who's the creative lead on that project, I mean, he pulled that out of nowhere in about 12 days. So like, Holy cow. Um, wow. Yeah, great. I've got a really good creative team in-house. So we're doing a lot of things in here, but also partnering with other teams as well. Shout out to Cosmos, who's been working with us on a lot of the NFL stuff. Amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, so... Look, you're pretty heads down, but when you sort of look around you and see what's going on in the Web3 space, we're just curious if there's any inspiration that comes to mind in terms of other projects, collections, what other folks are doing in the space that you draw inspiration from. Yeah, something that I'm trying not to fall down the rabbit hole of at the moment, but I'm finding really interesting is the whole AI-driven art that's about to make its way right or is definitely in that web3 space i think it's just 
it's super disruptive, right? And, you know, my background is I come from art, like that's how I came into this space. So that I'm really interested how that plays out and what, if anything, people do with that from a collection point of view, because, you know, that that's like fast forward into some really interesting stuff. And it definitely, you know, and you don't need to draw to be able to come up with some crazy stuff with that. So that's the thing that I'm super, that's what my eyes are on at the moment when I've got two seconds. There could be like some sort of art wall in one of your games, maybe where you can like let your, you know, users mess around with some AI art. Why not, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Imagine how dangerous that would be. (laughs) Dude, that AI art too. Like Josh, we've had a few folks on the show. Yeah, like Fetch. It's amazing. Yeah, Fetch AI. Give a shout out to, have you heard of Fetch AI, Jamie? No, no, haven't. I'm going to share some details for you. I mean, they were on the show almost a year ago, sort of as one of the early pioneers in that area. AI company that's getting really creative and they keep sort of evolving what they're doing in the space, but they did do a really cool AI art project. Yeah. And it's just the level of advancement is what really gets me, right? Because you have these inputs and you think, you know, oh, it's going to look like whatever suggestions I gave it. It's going to be really obvious or whatever, but it is not. Like it truly is intelligent and the outcomes are are just mind-blowing, man. Like it's so cool to see how quickly that's advanced and some of the products of these different tools out there. So yeah. Guys, I'm I'm on the Fetch website. So if someone checks now, they're going to learn that even Fetch has evolved. So now you can use their tools to create your own digital twin for your you as an individual or your business and allow it to coordinate and improve the quality of your life. So, um, hmm. huh, some, there's something cool there. So, cool. Yeah, very cool stuff. Yeah, whole there's a whole thread around AI, man, that we got to talk about. But we'll sure. leave that for another combo, right? So, say, man, look, that's segment one. We really appreciate it. You guys are doing some amazing things at Mythical Games. And yeah, we're just going to keep a really close eye because, man, mind-blowing stuff. Thank you. Hey there, NFT Space Cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com, it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle, to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio. And you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right. This full service, soup to nuts, end-to-end, whole enchilada NFT service can help you. Yes, you, Randy. Launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. So let's shift gears a little bit though and get your personal perspective on some questions we like to call edge quick hitters. These are 10 set questions we ask every single guest of our show. It's a fun, quick way to get to know you a little better. And we're looking for short kind of single word or, or few word responses, but we may dive a little deeper here or there. Okay, Jamie. Jay Dizzle, you ready to dive in? I'm ready. Let's go. All right, let's do it, man. Question number one. What's the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? The first thing I remember purchasing was like, it was like this shell necklace because I used to live by the beach and it was just this little necklace. And I just bought my kid one in Hawaii. I think that was the first thing I remember. Nice. Good one. You still got that floating around somewhere? You know what? I don't. But as soon as yeah. I saw this thing, in the, we were on holiday. I was like, I'm buying that for you because I remember buying that. And awesome. I lived in this like middle of nowhere town in wales so ah got it cool question number two what's the first thing you remember ever selling in your life so can i do like a 
sort of variation on that. Of course. I remember something I swapped. So mm. like, I'm a Warhammer 40K nerd. I paint the mm. figures, right? And at school, I painted up these Terminators and I swapped it for an Atari Lynx. Whoa, nice. With like three games of like Altered Beast and Road Blasters and stuff like that. And I remember like, dude, I just got the steal of the century. Off of <laughs> yeah, it. But, uh, for sure. I remember that, yeah. Oh, that's killer. Question number three. What's the most recent thing you purchased? The most recent thing I purchased was I bought a new shirt. I live in Seattle, so I bought a new lumberjack shirt the other day. Oh, of course. Now, now you're officially in the tribe, huh? I am, yeah. I'm like PMW for life now. And or in the 90s grunge era, right? One of the two. Exactly. <laughs> right on. Okay, next question. Question number four. What is the most recent thing you sold? What is the most recent thing I sold? Probably a Blanco, actually. I'm a bit of a hoarder. Like, I'm, you know, I'm either I hoard stuff or I give it away. So I just gave like all my kids stuff away because, you know, that was cool. But yeah, I think it was probably a blanco. Super solid. Okay, question number five. What's your most prized possession? Oh, uh, okay. It's a 1967 Mustang with a 427 side oiler in it. That was no hesitation on that. That's with you out there in Seattle? It's actually in the UK. So when I sold my first company, it was the thing I treated myself to. And then I shipped it back to the UK and I just haven't brought it back here. So it's, it's in storage. Oh man, that's a, that's kind of a bummer though. It is. Uh, yeah, I got to get it out there, man. Okay. Question number six, if you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical service and experience that's currently for sale, what would it be? What do you have your eye on? Man, that's such a good question. Too many things. What would I buy? You know what I'd buy? I would buy a cabin in the woods. Yeah. That's what I would buy. So I wanted to just get out of here too. That would be the best. Absolutely. Yeah. Bringing the fam with you or are you just going to yeah. go solo? Um, Mid-century vibes would be great. Looking at the forest would be great. That would be cool. Right on. Yeah, I can appreciate that. Question number seven. We're going to shift gears a little. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? Oh, man. I would be... Oh, this is a hard one, but it would be about don't search for perfection, which took me a long time to learn because I didn't used to subscribe. I was like, everything can be perfect and it can't. So, you know, don't search for, search for, for perfection. It's, it's a miserable journey. You know, allow yourself to just find what's right for you. Right. Got it. Yes. Words of wisdom for sure. Flip side of that, though, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would that be? Man, this is what I'm working on right now. Just be calmer. Just be a little notch calmer. Like, mm. be a bit more zen. Take it in before you react. That would be my, that's the one I'm trying to chewhorn out as it is anyway. Working on it. Yeah, I get it. Okay, uh, a little bit easier. Question number nine. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? I was DJing and I ate a choco pie. I have done a DJ setup over there and I've just been, I play with it when I can. Nice. So for an audience of one, yeah, yeah, I've got it like it's right next to my desk. And just when I get out of it, I just flip it on and play a few tracks. And it's like a nice little reset. And then, uh, yeah, so I was just doing that. A true creator that is a creator by profession and does greater stuff to relax. I love it. Yeah, that's it. If it wasn't that, it would have been like painting a figure or something. Like I just, I'm a little bit obsessive when it comes to that stuff. And by the way, it's worth mentioning, Jeff's younger boy is big, big into karaoke. Probably would love some of the games that you've created. And one of his favorite possessions is this gold mic so he can karaoke. So maybe like you guys can do some kind of set together. I, I cannot sing. Like I'm terrible. I had to fly to America on my own once and sing for Reggie. You know, Reggie used to be president of America. I had to sing Michael Bublé. Because I had to present, it was like one of the like I look. It was it was also how I met my wife. But good lord, that was a took one for the team on that one. Yeah, man. Well, it paid off for you. Last question for you, brother. Question number ten. What are you going to do next after the podcast? What am I going to do next? I've got another meeting, and then I might try and go and play golf. Sounds like a nice afternoon, man. Let's do a little bonus question. What do you say, Josh? Let's do it. So I'm curious, Jay Dizzle. For those of you that don't know, that's his handle on Zoom. What is your favorite game of all time? Tenchi Stealth Assassin on the Sony PlayStation 2. All right. Well, why is surprised. that? <laughs> so I wanted, when I was growing up, I wanted to like either be an architect or a ninja. And I attribute that to watching like legendary films like American Ninja 1 and 2. And just anything ninja. I was just like, ninja me. Which is 
my son is totally like that now, which is no big surprise. Uh, you know, when Tenchu came out, I was like, I'm buying this game. It's Ninja. I'm in. And it was the first game for me that like nailed stealth. I don't know if any of you played it. It's like, it's a great game. And, you know, you play as this ninja and you go around, you got to do these missions. And there's this really cool storyline that runs through it. But, you know, you were rewarded by not being seen. And the mechanics were just on point. Like, you could throw breadcrumbs so the guard would go and eat it. And then you could jump down and slit that throat. Or, like, you could throw in poison rice. And while they're coughing, you could, like, jump off the roof and poof. And then you could jump back up and they wouldn't see you. And I just, it was just, it blew my mind and kind of how it just went from this, you know, I felt like games were all about, like, stab shoot run like fight 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 it was all about this 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 and this one was like no 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 no, you need to not get seen and that i love that game so much and i would like if they remastered it now you wouldn't see me for a month man there's something there i gotta check it out and by the way you just made me recall a childhood memory of throwing rice for my cousin's wedding and they still give me shit today because they found rice in their car like years later, I just threw so much rice and it landed in the window. <laughs> and like, yeah, destroyed their car forever. So you got a little carried away, huh? I, yeah. I did. I got yeah. excited. It was six. My first yep. wedding. I just taking clumps of rice, throwing them around. Anyways, really good stuff. Well, hey, thanks for sharing, man. That's Edge Quick Hitters. We do appreciate it, man. Um, nope. We want to move over to segment number three, which is called Hot Topics, and. Today's hot topic is a really special one. It's all about Branded, which is one of Asia's leading producers of impactful events. And we're fortunate today to have Branded's founder and CEO, Jasper Donat, here with us to share some of the latest news about his company and the upcoming All That Matters event in Singapore later this month. Jasper, welcome to the Edge of NFT, man. Good morning, good evening, good night, good everything to everyone. It's great to hear that you've had two Brits on today. It's two fantastic accents to level everything out today. Indeed, sir. Indeed. Yeah. Thanks for joining so early as well. So yeah, what is going on in your world, man? You got some really cool stuff coming up this month. Yeah. Just over two weeks time, we're going to be welcoming a couple of thousand people to Singapore. We've been doing this for, it's our 17th year. There's a lot of other events going on this the same week as us, but we're the old boys. We bring web two and web three together and there's nothing else like it. If you can imagine bringing the music industry together with the gaming industry, together with the sports guys, the marketing guys, and the digital entertainment people, and then all of a sudden we're layering in this wonderful thing called Web3 um, under the name of All That Matters, and uh, Web3 Matters is our newest newest baby. So we're bringing Web2 to Web3. I keep calling it Web5. No one else finds that as funny as I do. But yeah, we're looking forward to it. Really looking forward to it. We've got a lot of music playing as well. We've got about 30 bands coming that the whole week is being opened by the wonderful Yatsu from Animoca Brands that everyone knows. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And hopefully we'll be seeing our wonderful new friends from Edge of NFT with us there. Yeah, can't wait, man. When you said, do you want to take a 19-hour direct flight to Singapore? I was like, yeah, sign me up for that. Well, it's fun. Well, it's the Grand Prix week. It's the Singapore Grand Prix at the end of the week. And that's it's a, you don't have to be a grease monkey to like the event. It's a bucket list event, right? You've got that you've got the cars, but you've also got the entertainment. They have, they closed down Singapore. It's a night race. So they have bands playing all over the place. And it was once said that the artist lineup used to be targeted at 45 year old guys. Well, I was a 45 year old guy at the time, but it's fun. It's just a great, great, great fun three day event at the end of our week. So we start the week and then I get to relax and have fun on the weekend. Yeah, there you go. I'll go. Yeah, Jay, mate, there's a, I've got a space in my house for you. I'm going to change my name to Doz, Jay Dozzle. <laughs> and uh and then we go to the pub all right i'm in no i mean uh actually i'm moderating a panel on the main stage on the metaverse so jamie if you want to come join me let's do it man get over there I'll, I'll let the family know later and we'll see whether i get like the no or yes get, get, yeah, get the clearance see how much trouble you get yourself fun. into if you tell the family that the theme of this year's event i mean the event is called all that matters but the theme is all that matters and I must say, I was, it was, I've registered metamatters.com and I even own metamatters.com, but we had that before a certain person changed the name of his company and it's not worth doing an event called Facebook, facebook.com, right? So, <laughs> but yeah, all that matters is the theme. So Jamie, you're absolutely welcome. I am appreciating the classic British puns. This is... <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, we could just turn off our video, our mute. Let's just oh. guys go at it for like 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? So yeah. Jasper, I'm curious. So you have this wealth of experience with all that matters, music and sports and entertainment, all these other tracks 
some of which haven't really made a meaningful bridge over to Web3. What's the feedback you're getting from folks that are going to be there here at the end of the month? You know, the first year we brought gaming into the event, they were the cool kids. Mm. And I think that's what the our existing communities are really looking forward to, is seeing a bunch of people they've never met before. Because normally, you know, you go to an event, you see, look, it, we are calling it the Great Reconnect, right? Because this is the first time everyone's had a chance to come back together and then don't have to wear face masks and, oh, and they can, that's proof that I was getting up at 5.55. <laughs> and yeah, that they can drink beer again and they can hang out with each other again. And But this time, at some point, there's going to be these really cool kids that they don't know walking into the room. And it's going to be like, wow. And I say this a lot, but it's a little bit like a school disco, organizing a school disco because everyone gets like kind of bashful going like, oh, who's that? And then they start talking and they end up pumping each other's legs and swapping business cards and making digital babies and stuff. And, and so, yeah, it's going to be fun. But yeah, there are a number of the industries that are, you know, you look at the music business, everyone's talking about NFTs, but there's that many people understand what they are and how to use them and, and what the, you know, I'm definitely web two when it comes to this. But when we did Music Matters last year, we had Ed Shapiro, the wonderful lawyer from Reed Smith, and someone had said to him, how do I launch an NFT or something? And he said, look, don't do it for the money. Do it for a community build. If you make money on the back of it as well, fantastic. So we're going to be, there's going to be stuff like that, that we want the new kids to be imparting their knowledge on the more traditional people. But also the brief to them all is, is don't, I don't want to know what you're doing in the future. Don't give me a three-letter acronym about something that's going to be brilliant in a year's time. Give me something that you've done that you've done now. Tell me what worked. If it didn't work, tell me. And how can I learn from that and take it into my business today? And so I think that there is going to be a lot of people. You know, the music industry here, everyone's embracing it, but they've always got like one SVP of whether it's NFT, crypto and stuff like that. And so it's those people are going to be really important bridging those gaps as well. Oh, that's that's so too. awesome. I'd love to dive a little bit deeper for a moment on the Gaming Matters Academy, right? Because we've got a gamer on the show and, you know, you guys have, I'm looking, you have Blizzard, you have Epic Games. These are companies we've already mentioned on the show. And, and you're doing this major educational push, which we just find really important. That's what we did with NFTLA and, and you know, it's been a pleasure getting to know you over the last few months and, you know, experiencing your ethos around bringing everyone together the same way that, that we try to do. Talk a little bit about the Academy and what people could experience by going through the Gaming Academy or one of the other academies that you're producing. Sure. So when you have the word matters in your name, you kind of have to walk the walk and talk the talk. So we've always thought that if we've got these incredible leaders, global leaders in the room on stage being very clever, talking about the future of whatever industry, Let's get them backstage after and get them to meet the next generation. And whether that's young creators in the online space, if that's young musicians, if that's young sports people or people trying to get into the sports industry, and similarly the game industry, let's give them some money can't buy advice on running careers and running businesses and stuff like that. So we just ran a gaming academy online for the last six months. None of it was about how to win at gaming, how to be a good gamer. It was more about how to run a business. Similarly with the music, our music academy, for 17 years now, I've stood up in front of about 200 musicians in a room and said, hands up who's got a business plan. And not once in 17 years has anyone gone. They're looking like, I'm in a band. I've got a new tattoo. I've got spiky hair. And then we say, okay, so what's your vision? Where do you want to be in five years' time? Oh, I want to be the biggest rock and roll band in India. Brilliant. How are you going to get there? And then we start just teaching them about how to have a vision and how to run a bit, how to think about a business and how to plan. So the academies are very much business driven. And we do end up with some really cool people. When it's live, we don't tend to film it, which sounds a bit strange because this information that comes across is so important. But a lot of our speakers really go to the heart and they really do talk about some very personal things that they may not want to have broadcast to the outside world and stuff. So, you know, it's not necessarily sex, drugs and rock and roll, but you know, it's really cool stuff. So yeah, we're actually doing three academies. We're doing one for the arts industry, the music industry, and the sports industry. For sport in this part of the world, it's not a cool career at all. If you think about it, if you're in the US or the UK or Europe, yeah, any of those countries where you want to work in the sports business, your parents think it's the coolest thing on the planet because they're going to get free tickets for shit, right? But if you're in some, most parts of Asia, maybe Northeast and Southeast, but you know, China, Hong Kong, Singapore, if you go to your parents and say, I want to work in the sports industry, mom, they're like, so sweet. And you're encouraged to go and be an accountant or so. And, so, and, and you know, not being culturally wrong here, it's a thing that the sports industry is just 
it's not credible yet. So what we're trying to do is create credibility in sport. Gaming's next. You know, can you imagine a kid t- telling his parents he or she wants to work in the gaming industry? It just, you know, so we're trying to help at that point, you know, make credibility. Now that's putting a thimble under a waterfall and it's really good fun. And I have to say the speakers at the academies have way more fun at the academies than they do on the main stage because they get to talk about themselves. Jamie, I'm like, I'm thinking you could have a serious case of FOMO because you're in all these different areas, my friend, in your career. Yeah, I mean, it's cool hearing you talk about the the um the like the workshops or just bringing those people together because like that's how I started in my career. Like to be totally honest, like somebody came into my school when I was like 14 and talked a bit. Was like, oh, you know, you can design cars. And I was like, what? And you know, and and it set me on the path to where I am now. And and I've fortunate enough to have the opportunity to do some of those things where you know we've been able to talk to that younger generation coming through coming out of college and i really appreciate that you don't film it because i think having been that person talking to a group of people you can connect with them when you don't feel like you're kind of on stage or whatever right you can kind of you can flow you can get into questions it's a much better way to like help people and try and like give some of the wisdom that you may have or hopefully have it also allows the audience to ask personal questions as well. And yeah. also, again, it's a cultural thing that in a lot of countries in this part of the world, you're not encouraged to ask questions when you're at school because it means that you didn't understand. And so if we say to people that you're in a safe place, Chatham House, no one's going to repeat this out. You know, it's, you get some wonderful things. We had Linkin Park's tour manager joined us a couple of weeks or a couple of months after Chester Bennington had sadly passed on. And I thought he was going to blow us out. And he actually called me and said, look, can I still come? But I want to talk about mental health. And it was the most moving session ever. And But it was an opportunity for artists to really voice their concerns about how hard it is to be an artist. You know, you you create what you think is the greatest song of all time and you release it and no one listens to it. Mm. I mean, think about that. When we're running businesses, Josh, you know, we were in a meeting together yesterday, you know, working together. If someone says no to us, okay, that sucks. But... That's the company, right? They're not saying no to Josh and Jasper. We can switch off. If you're in any creative art and someone says no to you, how do you switch? The, how do you divorce yourself from yourself? So anyway, so that, that's some of the stuff we're trying no, to do. It, it's, it's, it really help. The wellness side of things is really important. We're going to have a wellness track at NFTLA. And I think, you know, Web3 burnout, just burnout in general and the current sort of pace of this world is really critical. I just watched the new Elvis movie. Great movie really sort of showed him as a human being instead of like the icon that we know him as and um, highly recommend it. Really excited. Yeah, yeah. Jasper, so excited to be part of this event. Encourage everyone to snag some tickets. We'll release a code for 10% off for everyone that wants to come to Singapore and hang out with with me, you, and who knows, maybe Jamie, maybe Jay Dizzle himself is going to make an appearance. Jamie, this is a live invitation. If you can come to Singapore, where are you? Are you based in the US or UK? I'm in Seattle. 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 (laughs) If you come, I will put you on stage at one of our academies or somewhere, and you'll do some great things for a lot of Asian people. Right, man. Live, live. (laughs) Appreciate that. Let me get back to you. But if I can, I'll be there. Nice. Nice. And that is September 26th to the 28th. So just coming up here in a few weeks. And Jasper, where should we send folks to make sure they can get all the details on this? Very simple. Just go straight to the website, allthatmatters.asia, and everything is there. All our, I think there's 140 speakers, three stages, three academies, 30 bands. It's all on the website. Beautiful. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. Also, I uh, wanted to note for our listeners that we do have a little giveaway as well, and that's going to be two GA tickets to All That Matters. Highly sought after event, highly sought after tickets. Jasper, thank you so much for the generosity there. And for our listeners, keep an eye out on our socials for all the details that you need to get a chance at winning those tickets. So again, thank you, Jasper. Thanks for joining us, man. Well, good. No, I can't wait to see Josh and Jay and Jay, Jay Diz and in <laughs> Singapore in two weeks' time. There it yeah. is. All right. Thanks so much, man. Talk to you soon. See you later. Talk real soon, buddy. Bye-bye. So great stuff. You know, we're really excited about that. It'd be cool if you could make it. I know that's a little short notice, Jamie, yeah. but, but yeah, man. I love Singapore though. Singapore's a great place. It's been a long time since I've been. So right never on, been. Right this will this will be my first. Looking forward to it. It's awesome. It'll blow your mind. So look, we wanted to to move on to our next segment, which is a little short section where we like to give a little bit of love to folks that are moving the needle for us in our lives and little shout out that we like to do here. 
And so Jamie wanted to turn the floor over to you to give a little love to those people moving the needle in your life. Thank you. God's like so many, you know, this morning, I had a really, you know, when you have those days and it starts to work and you're just like, this is not going how I want it to go. And my little kid, he's called Yoshi. He kind of ran in and was like, Papa, I need to give you a kiss. And it was like the perfect time to like diffuse me about to explode. So shout out to that little monkey. But I think, you know, big shout out to some of the teams, right? So Blanco's team right now, just they're working so hard to put everything they can put into Blanco's for the Epic Games Store launch. I got to give a huge shout out to them. Like every single person involved in that project is just crushing it. So like big shout out to them. Also on our NFL team, right? So Rivals and Rarity League from people on the BD team, like Matt, Christian, Billy, Samantha, now I've said names, I'm going to forget somebody, but like that whole crew crushing it. A lot of people, you don't know just how much effort goes in behind the scenes making a video game, right? And there's a ton of people working really hard to bring some really cool stuff. So big shout out to them. So proud of you all. Please keep kicking ass. You're doing an amazing job. Very nice. Yeah, much love, much love. So we do want to make sure our listeners know where to go to see the efforts of all these teams that have been putting in so much work. Where should we direct them? The best place to go is go to mythicalgames.com and you can just link through to all of our products from there. We actually just did an overhaul on the site. So we're kind of going like single domain strategy. So you can go there and you can find out every single product we're working to working on. They'll link you through. You can even go and sign up for some stuff. If you go and link through, if you're going to click some of the products there, you might even see some sites that are not quite official yet. So go take a look, mythicalgames.com. Check it out, mythicalgames.com. All the goodness is over there. All right. Well, I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventurers on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Also look us up on all major social platforms by typing edge of NFT with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again, Jamie, for sharing this time with us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks, Jamie. This episode was brought to you by today's guest and sponsor. The creators of Edge of NFT will be compensated to support the production costs associated with the program. We are very selective when deciding who to have on these shows, but we are learning as we go just like you. The views expressed are for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only, and are not intended to serve as an endorsement or investment advice. You are urged to do your own research as well as consult a reputable financial advisor before making any investment or purchase decision.